Father, I thank you that we get to be here together and, and worship the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Father, I thank you that the Christians are resilient, that the gospel is resilient, that we do not push back, that we do not go back, but we go forward amidst challenges. Father, that we are a people, Lord, who are called by your name, a holy nation, a holy priesthood, God. And I pray that in this season, as things are changing rapidly, uh, Father, I pray that we may be centered on the gospel, centered on Christ, and centered on our commitment to each other. Father, as we open up uh, your word briefly, and as we pray together, I pray that uh, your word alone may do the work. It may not be man's ideas, but it may be your word that challenges us. So, Father, we thank you, and we honor you for everything that you're doing and everything that you're about to do in this momentous season as a, as a body of Christ at large. We thank you, Lord, and we honor you. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, I want to begin this morning with a question, and I want you to think about this very, very carefully. I want you to think about the hardest day in your life, okay? Think about the hardest day in your life. You know, you're like, wait, I don't want to think about my hardest day in my life, right? But, but I want you to think about maybe that time where, you know, when that job was lost. Maybe that time when that relationship brought hurt. Maybe that time, maybe like me, where uh, I dropped out of school and I had no prospects, no job prospects, no female prospects, no prospects. That was a very difficult season. The Lord used that to bring me to Christ, of course, used that cr crushing time to do that. But all of us in some way have hard days. Okay, how many of you have your kids at home with you, right? You're working full time, now you're homeschooling, and going to work full-time. I mean, it is not easy days. For many people, these are hard days. And I begin with a question for you to think about hard days because the early church actually was brought up in hard days. The church was not this nice country club that people got a ticket and a really nice membership card, and they became a part of it. The, in fact, the early church was brought up in challenging times. For instance, very early on, the church struggled with, with really two fractions, two things that, that, that were trying to divide it, were trying to attack the church. One from inside of the church and one from the outside of the church. From the inside of the church, okay, there was false teaching, right? For instance, very early on, within, you know, one generation or two generations of Jesus coming and, and ascending to the Father, there were these false prophets, these false Judaizers, if we want to call them uh, legalists. There were these uh, uh, Christian Jews who began to preach a different gospel than the one Jesus was preaching. They began to say that in order uh, to, to follow the Bible, in order to be a seed of Abraham, you had to be circumcised. You had to uh, follow Mosaic law, the Torah, or you had to uh, observe the Jewish feast days. If you didn't follow those feast days, then you weren't truly a Christian. They believed that the legal code of the Mosaic law in the Old Testament was how you became a Christian. So therefore, there were legalists. In Galatians chapter 1, in Galatians chapter 7, Paul goes against these guys, calls them, these guys are going to be accursed. These guys are to be accursed because of what they're preaching. In fact, he says that this gospel is not really a gospel, a gospel at all in Galatians 1. But there weren't just those legalist guys. There were also these anti-legalist guys. The, uh, the opposite. The, the theological term is antinomian. These guys said the law. Moses, that's old school. We're New Testamenters, man. I mean, it's all about grace. 
Anybody heard that, right, grace? It's all about grace. God forgives anything I do. I can do whatever I want because God is a God of grace. Well, these were the antinomians, anti-law. They believed that because you're Christian, you have license to fail. You have a license to sin. And in Romans chapter 6, you know, what does Paul say? He says, listen, does grace give you license to sin by no means, right? That's not what we do. And so you have these two things. Of course, add to that Gnosticism, right, which is really hard to explain <laughs> in three words. But at the very least, they did not believe that Jesus had a physical body. They believed that Jesus was a spiritual being. In fact, God in himself was a spiritual thing that you can reach if you really search deep within yourself. And really, it was just yourself, right? You were your own God. So Gnosticism, to a certain extent, began to preach that there was no physical body of Jesus. Jesus never died. Why would God come down and put on a human body? I mean, who would do that? That's not true spirituality. So within the church, I mean, this is within 30 to 60 years of Jesus on the earth. The church was already dividing itself, fighting theological confusion, fighting all these things. Now, so it wasn't just false teachings, but it was, uh, as I mentioned, there was uh, an internal fraction, internal issues going on very early on in in the early church. But there was something else taking place, and this might be more closer to home. In Acts chapter 7 and in Acts chapter 8, we see that the church is beginning to become a persecuted church. In Acts chapter 7, we read of Stephen, right, an apostle of Christ, a messenger of Christ, who is stoned to death because of his testimony of Jesus Christ. After his martyrdom, things go nuts. Okay, let me just begin there. The church begins with blood. The church began with persecution. Turn with me to Acts chapter 8, if you can. Acts chapter 8, verses 1 to 3. And this is right after Stephen's martyrdom. Okay, this is the the early infancy of the church. The church is beginning to take its own identity. And this is how the church begins. Acts 8, verse 1 and 3. It says, On that day, a great persecution broke out against the church in Jerusalem. And all, except the apostles, were scattered throughout, um, throughout the countryside. Godly men buried uh, Stephen, mourned deeply for him. But Saul began to, watch this, destroy the church. In the original language, destroy means destroy. Going from house to house, he dragged off both men and women and put them in prison. Now that last verse, going from home to home, uh, you know, let me tell you what that means, church to church. There were no buildings. The church was meeting at home very early on. So at the very early stages of the church, the church is being persecuted, is being martyred, there is blood, there is suffering. And so I say this because very early on, the church was facing fraction from within the church in false teaching and outside of church of persecution, as the world saw this as a new threat to uh, Greek thought and and, and Jewish uh, religion. But here's where I I, kind of want us to focus this morning. That no matter how much the church was shoved, no matter how much the church was persecuted, no matter how much theological confusion there was, the church was always resilient. Amen? The church was always a church that fought back. And and I don't mean fighting back, you know, with swords and, you know, being to put the gloves on. Let's fight this thing. We're going to do good. We're going to win. So that's some triumphalism type of understanding of resilience. But the church was able to withstand and recover quickly every time it was knocked down. 
Now, I don't know if, if you know everything that's going on right now, but churches are scrambling. Churches are, 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 are freaked out. Churches from all different, I mean, I've certainly contacted pastors, and I have friends of mine who are just trying to, how do you do this live stream thing? How are people going to give? How are we ever going to see each other? These are difficult times, and we must see it in that light. But the church is resilient. The church of Christ will, will survive. The, the remnant of Christ will overcome. I want to remind you this, that the church does not have buildings, paid staff, no perfect ministry vision, and an organic ministry. The church was weak, homeless, with leaders that were decentralized, people with no phones, with no way to communicate with themselves. But look at verse 4 in the same chapter. Look what happens in, in Acts chapter 8, verse 4. What does it say there? Those who were scattered, what did they do? Preach the word wherever they went. The church never stopped being the church. Isn't that amazing? That despite theological confusion, despite persecution, despite issues that were insurmountable to, to many of us, right? How, I mean, we're being scattered. We lost our homes. We lost our church. We lost our community. We lost the people we love. How do, we, how do we do this thing? Those who have been scattered preach the word of God wherever they went. The church was resilient. And so what was the basis of the resilience? And if you're online, I, I uploaded some of the notes on our website, on the, on the Facebook post, so you can go there and follow along with me if that helps you. But what is the basis of our resilience? Why is it that the church does not stop? Why is it that the church keeps going? Why is it that we're sitting in our homes and we're doing this live. Why is it that we keep doing this? I think there are many reasons why, and we don't have the time to go to the 10 reasons why this is true. But I want to give you just one that I think it's at the crux of it. Because the church has a mission. The church has a mission to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ to the ends of the earth. In Matthew 28, 19, right, a very uh, well-known passage, we know that Jesus said this, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, right, who knows that passage, right? Therefore, go and make what? Make disciples of all nations. Baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I commanded you, and I will surely be with you to the very end of the age. This is Jesus' command as he ascends into the Father's right hand. The church had a mission. The church was not playing around. No matter, you know, no matter what came its way, the church knew what it was called to do. But as incredible as that calling is to go and make disciples, to win the lost, to pe point people to Christ, right, to be sitting in your couch and pointing Jesus to this woman and, and, and you know, have some uh, thing going on in your house uh, so that your kids have. All missing. Um, the reality is that our Christian faith um, does not come without hardship nor struggle. Um, in fact, I want you to read something that we often miss. Um, when you read Matthew 28, 19, uh, you know, when I was a young person, uh, that was drilled into me. Go and preach the gospel to the nations. Go and preach. And you go, I don't know the Bible the way I should. I, I don't feel confident to share Jesus. And, and they, no, it doesn't matter, man. You just, you just go do it. And look at the verses just before the Great Commission is given. Look at verse 16 and 17. So go to, go to Matthew 28 with me. In Matthew 28, again, you see the Great Commission given to the church. 
But then you see the reality of, of, of right before what happens right before this commandment is given. It says this, verses 16 and 17, Matthew 28. Then the 11 disciples went to Galilee to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshiped. But watch this. Some doubted. Some people doubted Jesus. The 11 disciples, here they are. I mean, you know what they experienced, right? Three and a half years of Jesus teaching the word. They've seen Lazarus come from death to life. right? They've seen some of people become healed. They had seen um, Jesus die, be buried, come alive on the third day. They're seeing him now, right? They saw the veil, they heard of the veil being torn, earthquakes, shakings, angelic visitations. And yet, out of the 11, there were still who doubted. You see, no matter, even if we have a mission of God, there will, our faith will be tested. It is not easy to follow Jesus. Doubt is actually a part of our growth. <coughs> Doubt is part of the challenges and difficulties. Maybe we do not have theological confusion, right? Maybe you feel like, you know, I've got my faith pretty straight. I don't, that's not my struggle. Maybe you're not being persecuted. But maybe, like many people today are thinking, well, how is this going to work? How are we going to grow when I have to be home? Right, for my entire, you know, for, for the next couple of, you know, couple of weeks or me even, more, even more so. Brothers and sisters, as we look at uh, the scriptures, we must be reminded that, that doubt is part of our Christian walk. Nevertheless, we need to embrace the season because what's going to happen is we're going to become resilient. We're going to come better. On, we're going to become better on the other side. We're going to come out stronger on the other side. Our, uh, so our allegiance to the word, our allegiance to Jesus is going to be tested. We're not going to have the amount of, of uh, avenues and opportunities to hear the word of God, maybe as we did, or maybe as commune and fellowship together. And so it's not going to be easy, but the basis of our resilience, the basis of our strength is in our mission. For people to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ, wherever they are, beginning now in our homes. And so let me, let me kind of land here a little bit. So if that's the case, if the church is a resilient church who's always been fighting back, who's always been overcoming, and now today we're facing, I believe, a great trial of testing for many people. As a church, the fact that fellowship is not happening is a problem, and I think we need to admit that. It is not good for brothers not to come together. The, web, the webcam and all, that's great for a season, but I believe that many people will struggle. And so the question is, how is it that we can overcome this thing? How is it that for the next hard days that we're going to have as a local ministry, and all ministries really uh, across the board, how is it that we will overcome and come out stronger? Turn, turn with me to Matthew 16. And Matthew 16 is a well-known passage of a declaration where Apostle Peter declares the divinity of Christ. Where Peter, for the first time, has a realization and a revelation that this is not just anyone. This is Jesus, the Son of God. You see, when we gather together, it's going to be awkward. When you sit in your living room and we gather even here, there's going to be times that I'm going to be alone. It's going to be awkward. But brother and sister, this is the time where we get to grow. This is the time where I'm going to say one of the two things that need to happen. One, we must seek to know the person of Jesus in a greater way during this season. During this time of trial, we must seek to know the person of Jesus in a greater way under this season 
of trial and testing. The fact is that there are going to be times where it's just, again, study me, it's going to be just you there. And we're going to have to remember who we're worshiping. Amen? There's going to be times, and I truly believe this, this is a picture of a testing of what should happen at the end of the age. When Christians do have to fend for themselves, where there would be a big ministry, where there won't be this big production, there will be just a couple of faithful remnants who will have to learn how to love Jesus without anything except the Bible. And so as we gather together, as we begin to do this, this new season, this new chapter as a church, I want you to ask yourself, um, do I want Um, so let me read Matthew 16, and I want you to read Jesus' response and Peter's uh, declaration. Matthew 16, 13 says this. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say the Son of Man is? They replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, others still uh, say John. You're the Messiah, the son. All right. Uh, what Jesus desired of his disciples is for them to have a knowledge of his person. Because when things got hard, when things got difficult, they needed to know who he was. Look at Peter's declaration. You are the Messiah. You are the Messiah. The son of the living God. That declaration is what we need in this hour. We, we must seek to know the person of Jesus in a greater way. The church prevailed, not because it was so strong, but because it was weak, because it held on to this declaration that Peter had. Jesus is always asking his church, who am I? Who am I? Jesus is always asking his church at times of testing. Who are you worshiping? As we gather in our homes, we gather because we want to know Jesus. Because we want to know Jesus, the Son of God. We want to know this revelation in a greater way. In 1 Peter 2.5, later on, we see that, 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 that Peter, in fact, was one of the rocks of the early church. In Ephesians 2.19-12, we read this. God's household was built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets. I love this, this little phrase here. With Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him... The whole building is joined together, rises to become a holy temple in the Lord, a dwelling in which 
God lives by His Spirit. The, the, the church is a building where Jesus Christ is the chief cornerstone. And so even in our bedrooms, even here this morning, we don't make ourselves the big deal. We make Jesus the main thing. In him, everything is held together. The Bible places a premium on the knowledge of Jesus, his person, the saving work. And that is the only way a church is sustained. The church is not sustained by a charismatic guy, by great production. The church is sustained by a continued knowledge of Jesus, by having a revelation as we gather, saying, Jesus is the Son of God. That's who I came to worship. That is why I lift my hands. That is why I gather with other people. The fact is this, that, that, that a webcam is not always going to be great. The fact is that worship is not the same when you're in person. We were built for fellowship, but we're not here for that. We're here to meet Jesus, amen? Anything, anything and everything could take place, but the church is resilient because it seeks to know Jesus, the person of Jesus, in a greater way. Brother and sister, I think that we in this season need to not shrink back, but get hungrier for God, hungrier for the person of Jesus Christ. So one, we must desire and seek to know the person of Jesus Christ in a greater way in this hour and this time of trial. And, and, and number two, we must desire to seek, we must desire to grow in fellowship with this church. Okay? Look, look at verse 18 of the same passage. It says this, I tell you, Peter, in, in Matthew 16, that upon this rock I will build my church and the gates of Hades shall not overcome it. Some translations have prevail. Nevertheless, we see that in, in, in verse 18, that the gates of hell will not prevail against his church. Jesus says, my church is my church. He cares for his church. His church is an overcoming church. His church is a church that overcomes trials. It's a church that overcomes adversity. His church is a resilient church. It fights back. It goes forward. The word ekklesia means assembly, gathering, but it comes from a Greek word kaleo, which means called out. The church has its own identity, and Jesus cares for his church. And because he cares for his church, here, here's, here's the truth. We must care for his church. Because Jesus cares and died for his church, we must care for his church. And here's what this means, that we must desire to grow in fellowship even in this way however the Lord allows us to grow. And so we're going to be launching different groups, prayer online. We're going to try to do things that are sort of creative as best as we can, but uh, the goal is not just so that we have something to do. We don't need more things to do. What we need is to grow in fellowship. Because when we gather together, we're representing what Christ loves, his church, my church, my church, my church. It is significant that Jesus says this. He takes ownership of it. Brother and sister, we need to take ownership of a Christ church. We are his church. See, it says here that the gates of hell will not prevail against it. The gates of a city were the symbol of a city's strength. They were how they were protected. They were how, uh, in those times, it was a symbol of a great city's, city's prominence. This is what Jesus is saying. My church is unstoppable. Satan cannot corral it. Nothing can overpower it or silence it. Nothing can bring it to its knees. 
not even his son. My church will go on even if we're online. Amen? See, so the church does not crumble under crisis, but Christ to Jesus under crisis. This morning, uh, as, as, as we transition into a new season as a church, uh, I want to ask you who, who are still watching or those who are watching later on, and you who you are here this morning, is do you want to know Jesus in a greater way in a time of trial? I mean, we can know Jesus when things are go well, right? I mean, this is amazing. I want to know more about God because he's blessed me with a job. He's given me great kids, a great life. Hallelujah. I love Jesus. But do we want to grow in the knowledge of Jesus when things are hard, when we're not being scooped or skin-fed, when we have to work this thing out, man? And do we want to grow with the church? Do we want to grow in fellowship? Because if that's you this morning, if you really feel that, if you feel like that's what I want to do, then I believe then the church will become stronger on the other side of this thing. In, in fact, uh, the church will always be resilient. The church will always have a remnant. And the church will always seek Jesus in the way that it's called to be. So let me, let me pray for you. And then I'm just going to have Maria. And, and if anybody's still online, again, if you're watching after, we're going to have just about 10, 15 minutes uh, of prayer. Um, and we would love for you to join us in that. Um, yeah, and, and we just want to seek the Lord, and, and, and if there's anything that you're, you're watching, you want to type in, you want to write a prayer, uh, whatever it is, join us, we'll, we'll, we'll join with that as well. Uh, so let me, let me pray, um, let me begin by praying. Father, uh, I thank you that, that your church was birthed in difficult times. Father, I, I thank you that um, things have never been easy for the church. That the church has had to suffer. Great men have had to die. The Bible was given to us in blood. Churches have been burned. Great testimonies have been lost. But Father, your church has been resilient. Your church has never stopped being the church. The ecclesia of God has always gone forward and never went back. Your church has always been that Peter church that declares you're the Messiah, the son of the living God, has declared it, believed it, lived it, walked in mission. And Father, I, right now, I just want to lift up the local church to you this morning. Father, would you, you help all those that are struggling and weak in their faith and really are going to have to fend for themselves for a season, who are going to depend upon webcams and live stream, Lord, to grow. Maybe that's not the best for them. But Lord, I pray that even in those weak things, God, that you may make Jesus more known to them than ever before. In the weakness of all the things that we want to do, the technology that we need, Father, I pray that you may, um, you may allow people to grow in the knowledge of Jesus. So I pray for the church and I pray for your Holy Spirit, Lord, to, to, to really give us wisdom as we transition into this. So, amen. So um, let's take 10 to 15 minutes or so. And, uh, yeah, would you, would you join us and, and pray with us? And we're going to have somebody with a mic here. Um, yeah, just agree with us. Amen. Just pray with us at home as well.